Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. So let's talk about uh, preparing for revival. And I want to talk about Jesus, my favorite subject always. Um, and that is Jesus as a friend of sinners. He came to rewrite history. He came to change the order. He is the great reset. We don't need another reset. The reset happened 2,000 years ago on the cross. Say amen tonight, it's okay, all right? So um, we have the TV with us for 90 minutes, uh, uh, 30 minutes, so I have to say a lot. So Matthew chapter nine, let's look at Christianity, the Jesus style, not the religious way. I wanna say the greatest enemy to Christianity is religion. Not sinners, not governments, but religious people that bring laws upon people and that do not understand the grace and the mercy of God. You know, there was a time that if you read the Bible many, many moons ago, many years ago, you were burned at the stake. It was the sole right of the priest in Latin Luchal to read the Bible that nobody understood. And anybody else who owned a Bible was burnt. So our, our history that we have and our heritage that we have to have the Bible in the language we can understand is something we should be greatly appreciative of because many, many, many people paid with their life for you and me to have the Bible as we know it today, translated from the Greek and the Hebrew in a language that we can understand. Amen. Um, Think how this world would have been without the Word of God. That was the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages. And religion was this system, we're not talking about any denominational church, but was this system that kept the Bible out of the hands of people. Because when you read the Bible, you have to read the Bible every time as if it is the first time that you read the Bible. You don't need anybody else to confuse you. You don't need any other person to interpret God's Word for you. You have to read it as it is. So we get confused when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ, who He is and how was Jesus when He was alive on planet Earth. He wasn't this preachy Jesus. He wasn't this religious Jesus. He wasn't this glowing Jesus. He wasn't this Jesus who walked around with a halo Yes, he had disciples that protected him so he could get to his destination. He wasn't afraid. I mean, he could call down 12 legions of angels and kill anybody else. So he didn't need a security team. But he was a man on a mission. Think about this. And in three and a half years, he changed the entire world. Three and a half years. Because his method and his message was so different and so powerful that it reshaped eternity and the world as we know it. So let's look at Jesus tonight. And CRC, we are a church with a mandate. And I think it's the only mandate any church should have, and that is to win the lost at any cost. Because the Bible says, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Paul says, for this reason, Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. 
So the number one assignment of Christianity is to win lost people. Uh, not to be religious. You, you watch Christians attack one another on, on social media because of doctrine and uh, because of philosophy, etc. And they miss the whole point that we're not here to be right. We are here to save people. I learned long ago, you can win an argument and lose the friend. <clears throat> Amen. So Matthew 9 verse 10 to 13, the Bible says, It happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came. Uh, is the receiver of revenue here tonight? <laughs> okay, we're happy. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Um, you're taxing us too much, please. Um, <laughs> but we receive you, okay? Um, and sinners came and sat down with Jesus. Sinners. And with all His disciples. And when the Pharisees, the religious people, the most religious sect of the day that kept the letter of the law, they were so religious that if they looked at a woman with a lustful thought, they would go run into a wall, trying to keep themselves pure all the time by keeping the law. And we'll talk about that tonight. It says, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Well, that means he hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. I, I wonder how many of your friends are true sinners. Let's leave the tax collector, okay? I wonder how many of your friends are sinners. And when we talk about hanging out with sinners, we are not talking about being influenced by them. We are talking about influencing them. So sinners were comfortable with Jesus. They didn't duck when Jesus walked into the room. They did not feel uncomfortable because He never came to highlight their sin. He came to befriend them to break the power of sin over their lives without making them feel as worthless sinners. Because I'll tell you this, my dear friend, the only power that will break sin in any person's life is the love of Jesus Christ. And that means the unconditional acceptance of God, which is God loves you as you are, where you are. And that doesn't mean that He condones your sin, but at the same time, He doesn't condemn the sinner. Because He knows the way out of sin is for you first to encounter Him as a friend. So when Jesus heard that, He said to them, those who are sick or well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then Matthew 11, quickly verse 16 to 19 but to what shall I like in this generation? And it hasn't changed. It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. Every Sunday we play, we have great praise and worship and uh, it's an opportunity for you to be free in God's presence. But we do that so you can have an encounter with God, not a moment of entertainment. That was Afrikaans' groot. Maar ek wil sê, Afrikaans is groot vir ander nie jou leven nie. Dis wanneer jy in Godse teenwoordigheid kom, wat God wat groot is, dat jou leven sal verander in Jesus naam. Dat jy sê, wanneer jy sê aanraking ervaar. So, we are not there to entertain you, but we are there to speak the culture, the language of the culture of the day, which is the praise and worship, the way we worship God, so you can have an encounter. But listen now, it says we played the flute for you, 
we don't have a flute here, but okay, stringed instruments. And you did not dance. We mourned for you, we prayed, interceded for you, and you did not lament. For John neither came eating and drinking, and they say, this man has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine bubba. They call Jesus a wine bubba. Do you know what that is in Afrikaans? It's a vain, vain, but a vain saper. Ach, jy wat nou so godsdienstig is, wat altyd op jou sierle moenstoel sit, val toch nou uit jou sierle moenstoel, want jou sierle moenstoel help niemand nie. Ok, en ek bedoel dit. Hulle het Jesus een wijnsuiper genoem, hoekom? Want Jesus was tussen die wijnsuipers gewees, sonder om geaffecteerd te wees dier die wijnsuipers. Hy was die licht van die wereld. He came to change the world. He did not come to compromise with the people in the world, but He did not make people who were sinners feel like they were sinners. He befriended them. So those people in your life that have left God, those people that are lost tonight, stop looking down your nose at them and get the heart of God for those people and become a friend to those people again and go love the unlovable and go be merciful to those who have fallen and climbing to that pit where that person has fallen and love that person back onto his feet. Come on, you know what I'm talking about because some of you were sinners like that and somebody reached out to you and loved you back to God. So he says, the son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look, a glutton, a wine bubber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by a generation. So there's um, two opposite styles. John came neither eating and drinking. And he was one of those preachers. I grew up under that turn or burn. Afrikaans, dry of braai. Wee van jy weet wat ek praat. En jy is so bang gewees, maar as hy ook preek kan bewe jy, jy bewe van my niks verander nie. Hey, moet draai of jy moet braai. Jy wil nie braai nie, wie wil braai? Niemand wil braai nie, nee. Niemand wil braai nie, hel nie. Nobody wants to go burn in hell. But he says, you didn't respond. He's preaching, turn or burn. When I started in the ministry, before I came full time into the ministry, I was a street preacher, that's what I did. Um, God saved me when I was in the army. I led half my platoon to the Lord when I was a lieutenant, second year, brought half my platoon to church. I preached to everybody, always, everywhere, and I can tell you many amazing stories. That's why I never went in the chaplaincy corps because those people, I'm sorry, became irrelevant and useless. And the people on the ground would not identify with them because the minute you had the triangle, they would not listen to you. So I stayed in a fighting company to identify with the people so that I could reach the people and had an amazing time in Angola where I led 3,000 people to Jesus Christ the day just before we went into a physical contact many, many, many years ago, okay? But I started out after I got saved, I got radically saved and get off saved. And I would go every Friday and every Saturday night, uh, started a ministry, went out on the streets and spoke to people about Jesus Christ and led thousands and thousands of people to Jesus. Then Saturdays, I would go to Hoffman Square in Bloemfontein, which was the main center where the two greatest or, or biggest shopping centers were. I didn't have a microphone. It's always like people say, Nobody's giving me an opportunity to preach. Well, nobody gave me an opportunity. Nobody gave me a microphone. I have a voice that you can see is tired now after preaching for three years nonstop. But um, I went there every Saturday and there were these plant boxes and I would jump onto those plant boxes Saturday mornings. And if everybody was shopping between the two uh, centers, as people crossed from this way to that way, 
I would take my Bible because I, uh, I read Paul say, uh, give attention to public scriptures. And listen, I was not bang gewees, nee. But I had 2 Timothees 1 verse 7 oor and oor and oor gekoot. God had gekoot, gekoot, gekoot. God did not give me his word of fear, but power, love and a sound mind, okay? And every time I would jump up there, I would say, thank you everybody for being here today because I have a loud voice. And I would say, um, I'm going to read from the Word of God today. And I would just say a prayer. And, when I, and I said a long prayer always because I was nervous, okay? Because I didn't know what to expect. And I said a prayer. And as I opened my eyes, there were always hundreds of people standing there. And sometimes the presence of God just came. And it was just like a move of God. As people got stuck moving from one shopping center to the other shopping center. On the corner was the opposite version. I taught my pastors watching tonight Francis Webster because I would take these young guys and I think I'm going to do it again to teach you um, some things. I would take them with me to do street preaching. Then I'd throw them on the plant box, choose different plant boxes. I say, get up there and preach. Now you can see how they started preaching and they would take it personal because people wouldn't respond. And then the message and the tone would change from God is good and God loves you to, hey, you better dry, you can pride. I'd say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me see, tell you, show you how it's done. And I would jump up there and say, God is good. God loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him. And it was like a magnet that would draw the people to Jesus Christ. And that's how the church in Bloomingdale was birthed. And that's how the church has stayed in revival in Bloomingdale because we did not preach the law. We have stayed true to preach the goodness, the mercy and the grace of God because I'll tell you the love of God is like a magnet in Jesus' name. So some of the older saints will remember those days because I mean people didn't like it, okay? Um, if they didn't like it, you were not protected by the police. They would either take an onion, onion, or they would take a tomato or they would take an egg and they would throw you with a thing. Now thank God they were not going to throw me. But that was Anna Pastor, I was going to say, I think it was <laughs> and he stood on a corner down there. Eventually, we moved to half, to, to the, the, the square where the buses came and picked people up. And he would stand over there and I would stand over there. And nobody stood where he was. People actually booed him and threw him with tomatoes. Now, people say, that's persecution, Pastor. No, that's self-inflicted persecution. People don't want to tell how rotten they are, how bad they are. People know it, right? We need to tell people, yes, you are a sinner and everybody is born in sin and the wages of sin is death and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But there's a solution to your sin and that is called the grace of God. There's a gift of salvation that comes in the person of Jesus Christ. So you don't have to go to hell. You can choose the grace of God and receive the mercy and the forgiveness of God in Jesus' name. And people used to run away from his uh, meetings and they would come and stand where I was. And uh, that's where Pastor Andre met me. Uh, I was riding a fire blade in those days, whatever that is. Many of you don't know, it's a, a horse from heaven. And um, <laughs> a fire blade, what's that? It's a blade on fire. Um, so, um, and I would preach every, every Saturday. I would preach on Hoffman Square three times, give altar calls three times for four years. That's how we built the church. We didn't build the church sitting in pews. 
We build a church out there, telling people that Jesus loves them. And we need to get beyond this. We need to get beyond this pure Christianity, young people. We have to get on a mission, the assignment of Jesus Christ, and stop this preservation mentality where it's all about myself. And we have to get out there into the highways and the byways and befriend our world and not live so insecure that if we hang out with sinners, they are gonna defile us. Hey, the light in you is greater than the darkness in them. What God has done in you is much more powerful than what the devil has done in them. They are still slaves to sin. You are a son of God, you are free. And if you will just go love on those people, they will come to Christ as well. Come on, say amen while I take a sip of my super duper. People always ask what's in there. You don't want to know. There's nothing bad, by the way. Ask Pierre. <laughs> you see what he drank this? He, 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 <laughs> Psalm 1983. The heart, the heart that is not set toward God, but the heart that is set toward religion. I always laugh when um, the media posts something and um, we say 3,000 people got saved in Cape Town and then some, always a young person, uh, uh, young people, and I love you, but you're not as smart as you think yet, okay? And they would always write there, did you preach repentance? Because repentance is not a work of man. You can't fix yourself. You can't change yourself. The repentance is a result of salvation. And you are saved by grace. You're not saved by works. You're not saved by crawling to God. You're not saved by fixing yourself because that's what the Lord tried to do. The Lord tried to fix us. The Lord told us we were sinners. The Lord pointed to our sin. And I remember as a little boy, every Sunday I would walk in church. This is my praise God that I'm not free from suits. Behalve betekent for you what belangrijk is wat to leek met the suit eraan is on the Maar jy staan daar en die suit is altyd twee sizes te klein, want jy het hem nou geërf van jou neefie of van jou broer. En jy staan daar, hy is te kort, hy is te stuif. En jy stand there like, jy is te bang om te beweeg. En hy dominee bid, omaat, kyk, when that dominee prayed or that pastor, whatever church you were in, a minute felt like an eternity. Amen? Okay, you never were in that position. You better thank God for the church you have. But um, you sat there, your mother always had, ja, jylle weet, jylle ouwe mense, um, they had these hats on, not fashionable, but religious, cause a woman must have her head covered. But every hat had a pin in, a needle. And that needle was not a fashion statement, that needle was for the children. So I got stuck in my bum many times by my mother. Okay, sit still, sit still, sit still. Von Jesma, you're a young person. So, um, and then you're full of life, you come to church, silence. Stilte kerk. Hier is 
Make a joyful noise. <laughs> what did you learn? I say the Lord says, make a joyful noise. The Lord says, shout unto God, all you lands. The Lord says, clap your hands, all you people. Come on. But we grew up, I grew up like that, not blaming any church. It's got nothing to do with any denomination because none of it started like that. And we need to be careful that we don't ever go there when our music, and that's why I say, can never become mechanical. The beat may be faster, but it can never be mechanical. If it's not a heartfelt, it's not an offering that God will accept. If it's not full on out of love, it is worthless. It is a tainted sacrifice that we bring God. Everything we do is out of a heart of gratitude. Every time we come, we break our hearts afresh and we worship God and we thank God for the salvation we have received. Come on, that's a good time to give Him a praise for the salvation that you have received undeserving. So I stood there as a little boy and uh, my dad was a deacon, Mitzvah Das. And um, every Sunday, the new year. But nobody ever told you how to Yemachni. Right? Because the law cannot break desire for sin. Hear me very carefully. Religion preaches repentance as a precursor or a prelude to salvation. No. When Jesus preached repentance, is repent and believe the gospel means you're not going to get saved your ways and by your works. You have to re- re- receive the gospel, which is the good news, which is a revelation of God's mercy and God's grace. So the repentance Jesus uh, uh, requires is that you change your mind about Him and you allow Him to fix you. Then a life or fruit of repentance follows true salvation when you've accepted Jesus after you experience the unconditional love, grace and mercy of God. And we'll get into that now scripturally so you can know all you Bible scholars that are sitting here with 50,000 question marks in your fa- on your face I can see because you were taught one way, now you hear something else. Don't harden your heart, open your heart to the gospel because it's the gospel that's going to bring revival. I said it's the gospel that's going to bring revival. It's the preaching of the gospel because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes what the gospel, the gospel, the good news, the story of redemption, the story of a savior. By the way, Jesus means he shall save his people from their sin. They will not save themselves. You cannot save yourself. You cannot save your child. You cannot save your husband. You cannot save anybody. You cannot even save this planet, Mr. Global Warmer. You can save one thing and, and, and that is you can stay saved. You can maybe stay, save your goldfish in your bowl. This earth has a time and the day will come when Jesus will come back and this whole earth will burn with fire. That's it, biblical. No one's gonna stop that. So Luke chapter 15 verse one again, all the tax collectors and sinners. Maybe we should get the tax collectors to church, amen. Drew near to Jesus to hear Him. Now, if you're a sinner and somebody always condemns you, you wanna listen to Him. Yeah, no. (laughs) 
I mean, if you're a drunkard and I say, you filthy, rotten drunkard. Now you're going to want to listen. No. That doesn't mean I condone your drunkenness. It means I need to save you from your drunkenness, your addiction, whatever it is. And I'm not going to do it through the letter of the law. I'm going to do it by exposing you to the merciful, precious presence of Jesus Christ. Because once you see Him as He is, you will change, my brother and sister. You can't stay the same. Oh, you can't stay blind no more. You can't stay bound no more. You can't stay dead no more. You cannot stay addicted no more. Because once you see the living Christ and you experience the light of Jesus, this world loses its power over your life. So as much as we want to help people, we do not become symptomatic. We stay focused on the solution, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Pharisees and scribes complained again, third time, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. So he spoke this parable about, about the hundred sheep and uh, leaving the hundred and going after the one. Everybody say this tonight, say the one matters. Say it, say it. Say the one matters. Say the lost one matters. Say it. Say, say the sinner matters. Say it tonight. Say the backslider matters to God. Say it tonight. We cannot become religious and have our sermon. Only seven minutes. Jesus, help me now. Become religious and we make this all about us. Well, we see Jesus saying, I'm going to leave those who think they're okay. And I'm going to go after those who are not okay. That's why our culture is friendship evangelism. You befriend your world. Our culture is you invite your world to church so they can experience this Saviour for themselves. No matter how broken they are. I've spoken to how many people and then they'll say, Pastor, I'm not ready to give my life to Jesus. Now, when are you going to get ready? There's too many things wrong with my life. Well, even if everything was right in your life, your works of righteousness are as filthy rags in the sight of God. And the Bible says that no one is just in the sight of God is evident. You are never justified by yourself. You are never justified by your works. You are justified by grace in the atoning work of Jesus Christ, which He did for you. So the Pharisees never got it. They sought righteousness by keeping the works of the law. Illustrated in Luke 18, when the two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. I tohiri tax collectors, my mother. The Pharisee student prayed thus to himself, because that's what a Pharisee is. He thinks himself to be better than other people. Oops. Hmm. He thought to himself, not like her, not like him. I'm not as bad as that person. You know, if I speak to people, and as a Afrikaans, I've spoken to how many people, and say, I drink not my beer money. And say, it's got nothing to do with your neighbor. 
it's got to do with you and it's not even got to do with you drinking it's it's got to do with do you know Jesus Christ forget everybody else take everybody else out of the equation and let's talk about your heart you you not you pointing a finger at somebody else not you judging somebody else not you having an opinion about something else because that's a pharisaical spirit is there an English word like that is there no I make it I announce it put it into the Oxford's dictionary okay there it is I haven't made a new word for a long time the Pharisee stood and prayed thus to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, those happy clappies, extortionists, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all I possess, and the tax collector standing afar off would not as much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Who are you tonight? A sinner saved by grace. Say amen. I'll ask you again tonight, my my young friend. There's nothing right with a sinful life, but if you are saved tonight, you are a sinner saved by grace. You don't get a bad sinner and a good sinner. There's no such thing as a big sinner and a little sinner. Romans 3.23 says, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let's never forget that we are sinners saved by the grace of God. And but for the grace of God, there I go back to the life that I was saved from. Shout amen tonight in Jesus' name. I tell you this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble and who humbles himself will be exalted. So hear me clearly tonight, quickly before we release the TV audience. The law can never save people. The law can never break the power of sin and produce righteousness in a human heart. Why? Because righteousness is a gift you receive at salvation, Romans chapter 5. It's a gift. So once you receive the gift of righteousness, your nature is righteous and you stop practicing sin as a way of life. That's why John in the epistles at the back, little John writes, he that knows God does not sin. It almost sounds like a contradiction. He says, if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, that if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And the other side, he says, he that knows God does not sin. He that is born of God. It means you do not practice sin as a way of life because your nature is no longer sinner. Your nature now is righteous. You are saved by grace. Your nature is to be righteous as a child of God. Are you with me? So the law points to sin, but the law could never eradicate the power of sin. The law produced remembrance of sin. So if you remind somebody of their sin, you are producing guilt, shame, condemnation. And as much as you are trying to get that person free from sin, you are bringing that person under condemnation, which is, I want to get away from sin. I want to be free. And the more you want to be free and you fall from grace back to works, the more a vicious cycle of bondage continues in your life. The more you want to get out of it, the less you're likely to get out of it because your reliance is not upon God's grace, which is the only remedy. Your reliance is now totally on your own work. Your do's and your don'ts. Remember what Paul writes, he says, when the law 
comes, sin revives and I die. So when you put, you can't be under the law and grace because the law points to grace. You can't be married to two women. Some people are in Africa, but you cannot. So Romans 7 makes it very clear. He says, if the one wife dies and you marry another wife, the old wife cannot come back. So the old covenant, you are dead to the old covenant and you are alive to the new covenant. So you cannot mix law and grace. You are now under grace and you are kept by grace and you are tutored by grace and the power of sin is broken over your life by grace. Are you understanding what I'm saying tonight? Okay. So, um, 30 seconds. Hey, I love you on television. God bless you. It's always an honour and a privilege to talk to you. Draw to Jesus. He loves you. He cares about you. And there is nothing that He cannot do in your life. I pray God's mercy, grace and love in Jesus' Name. God bless you. Amen. Come on, give them a hand as they go. So, um, we all come out of that. I was religious, I tried to get out of sin, never could get out of sin. I said, I'm gonna stop doing this, couldn't stop doing it. I said, I'm gonna stop swearing, I couldn't stop swearing and many other things, it's irrelevant. But when I accepted Jesus Christ, the power of sin was broken. Are you please listening to me? The hold of sin. So my kids that grew up in a, in a Christian home, I, we had this conversation many times. I said, you have to be born again, which they were, but they got born again many times, okay. Um, and I always told them, you're not better. You were born in sin. And your only freedom over sin is your revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. Because um, people that grow up in good Christian homes are prone to be a little bit more judgmental. Because they don't have much that they were saved from, or so they think. They didn't do this and they didn't do that. Well, that's not what defines you as a sinner. What defines you as a sinner is that you were born into sin. It's your DNA. It's your genetics. You were born a sinner. Even if your mother was Saint Esther. <clears throat> When you came out of that womb crying, you, you came out a beautiful little sinner. As cute as you were, sinner. So, so, so next time you have a baby, put those photos and say, my latest addition, my little sinner. Angelic says, no, 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 no. It's true, my girl. Akali is born in sin. That means she's a sinner and she must be born again. And right now she's justified by your faith. If she dies now, it's because of your faith, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. But she's born in sin like any other little child is born in sin. And she has to have a revelation of Jesus Christ and expect or accept Jesus Christ herself for sin never to get a hold over her life. But she's never better because she's a third, fourth generation Christian. It doesn't define her. What defines her is the understanding of who Christ is, who the Savior is, 
and accepting Him. And it's a very difficult thing to do. Listen, I've been a pastor 37 years. It's a very difficult thing for people who either have served God for a very long time or people that grew up in good Christian homes, which hopefully we all did. But sometimes it's just something that lacks because people stop thinking about the lost and they lose touch with a sinful world. Yeah, Jesus comes born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus is sinless. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He never sinned in His life. He endured every trial, test, temptation without sin. He never sinned. But He understands the power of sin. That's why He had to come to break the power of sin by defeating Satan on the cross Calvary so that you could live free from sin. He had to enter this world and experience every detail of life so that He can be a Savior who gets it. A Savior who is in touch with our realities, who understand exactly what each and every individual goes through. That's why there can only be one Savior. There can be one Redeemer. There can be one Lord. And for any human being, there's one way to salvation. Come on! His name is Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, but the name of Jesus Christ. He still is the way, the truth, and the life. Shout Amen in Jesus' name. So what the Lord did was to suppress behavior, but the law could not change behavior. Are you listening carefully? Rules and regulations can limit, and sometimes they should be there. I believe in inner boundaries, outer boundaries. When I raised my kids, there were very clear boundaries, but I knew the boundaries would not make them righteous. They needed an encounter with Jesus. Because even if you build a fence, the dogs, the bull, the all the dad has to do is look the other way then Johnny jumps the fence so if that's in you even if it's a 12 foot fence you will find a way over the fence so what do we need? We need maybe boundaries until we come to our senses, but we need a new heart. We need the heart of stone taken out and we need a heart of flesh put in. Every human being ever born into this world, Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be. Nicodemus is a righteous man, a ruler of of, of the Pharisees, Jesus said, you must be born again. You need to receive salvation as a free gift. There's no other way. So to live a life of sin after you've experienced and encountered the mercy of God means you've lost sight of the person in the presence of Jesus and you have to get back to the person in the presence of Jesus who saved you in the first time. You have to get in the first place. You have to get back there. Are you hearing me very clearly? Because if you embark on a life of sin, like that prodigal son, it's going to take you down. It's going to destroy you. Because the wages, the paycheck of sin is death. It's going to kill you. Sin is never your friend. Sin is your enemy. But to eradicate sin, we should not preach sin. We should preach the antidote to sin, 
which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the remedy, which is personified through Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Get close to Jesus, get close to the light and the darkness will leave. Are you hearing me? So I'll say it again, you can't repent by yourself because that's a work of religion. That's a work of the flesh. You can't fix yourself. If you could fix yourself, you would not need a saviour. You would not need a fixer. So God sent Jesus to fix you. You can't fix yourself. You can't save yourself. You have to accept what Jesus did for you through a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Then He will change your heart. And once the heart is changed, the behaviour changes, right? Religion modifies behaviour. Jesus changes behaviour by changing the heart of the individual. So Romans 8, I'm almost finished because I respect you have to go write exams and you were sitting in front of television all day yesterday watching all the rugby matches. <coughs> so let us toch nou net nie te ernstig raak met die godsdienst nie, asjeblief. So, nie, ek speel man, ek speel, ek praat nie met die converter die vanavond. Okay, relax man, just put a, a, a smile on your face. Don't look so, don't look bored. Because we don't want to think you're one of those Pharisees I'm talking about. Okay. So Romans 8 verse 1, the Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's actually where it stops in the original. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's added. Go look, look in the original translation. It's just, there is no condemnation. Geen vooroordeel of vooroordeeling vir die wat in Christus is nie. That's a statement. No condition. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there's two laws, a law of grace, a law of life, and then there's a law that produces sin and death. So grace produces life, law produces sin and death because it brings remembrance of sin. So what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did, by sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on the account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. So He breaks the power of sin. Where? When He hung on the cross. Because the Bible says, He made Him, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, He made Him to become sin who knew no sin exchange so that we might be made or become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So there's a divine exchange that takes place. Jesus, the righteous one, becomes sin. Not He carries sin. He becomes sin. He faces the judgment of God and there's a divine exchange that takes place. His sin, your sin placed upon Him so that you could receive righteousness and not just receive the gift of righteousness, you become righteous. So when you are righteous, if your nature is righteous, you will act righteously, automatically. Lee. So if there's a sinning problem, where's the problem? The problem is with nature. The problem is if people go back to sin, it's because they lost focus of the remedy who is Jesus Christ, who operates through grace, mercy and love. Nothing else will restrain people. So when people go back into a life of sin, what do we have to do? Bring them back to Jesus, point them to 
Jesus. Love them back to Jesus. Amen. Like that prodigal son, get them back to Jesus and they'll stand at the altar and one encounter with God's love again, Satan will lose every foothold over that person's life. One touch of Jesus and the desire will change. That desire for whatever addiction will change. Oh, come on in Jesus' Name, supernaturally. And that's the atmosphere that we are going to produce, an atmosphere of revival where the presence of Jesus will be so real, where sinners can walk into this place and experience a Saviour that is able to heal and deliver them, spirit, soul and body. I'm almost finished. So Jesus comes as the remedy of sin. He comes to break the power of sin. So we can never go back to preaching law, pastors. So was the law wrong? No. Was Jesus against the law? No. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law because the law points to a Savior. The law points to the need for a Savior. So Jesus is the fulfillment because the law points. You cannot save yourself. Every year you have to make a sacrifice. But in Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible says, this man after he offered one sacrifice has forever perfected those who are being sanctified, which is a process, an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. A process van heilig maken. So the law brought a remembrance. The law could not, and, and the sacrifice of bulls and goats could not remit sins. And the, the, the sacrifice of bulls and goats could not clear the conscience. And very often people are in a cycle of sin because of a guilty conscience. Because the Bible says every time people brought those sacrifices, a remembrance of sin is made, it takes them back to that place. So if you remind somebody of their sin all the time, you are taking them back to a lifestyle of sin all the time. You have to remind them of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Hey, you're not a sinner. You may be acting like a sinner right now, but you are righteous. This is who you are. This is what Jesus did for you. This is the future God has for you. You are washed, you are sanctified. You're a royal priesthood, you're a chosen generation. Come on, you have a future, you have a hope. His blood speaks mercy, redemption, forgiveness. Oh, shout amen, I'll tell you. When you get under the love of God, sin loses its attraction. If the world is still attracted, attractive for you, it's because you lost focus of your Saviour. We need to get your focus back to Jesus. You need to fall in love with Jesus again. Says, I have one thing against you, neither hot, you neither cold, you lukewarm. And it's the church that talks about, I'm rich, I'm this, I'm that, I'm everything. Pharisee. He says, I wish that you were hot or cold because you're sitting on the fence. So, neutral Christianity produces religion, which produces a very heartless, hard, uncaring spirit in the hearts of people towards other people. Where Jesus is, there will be love and compassion and love and mercy demonstrated to whosoever. 
you will love people back to God and you will love people back into the presence of God no matter what. I have prayed for people, the biggest, strongest men and just the power of God's love. I feel them melt and I've seen the power of sin broken over their lives. So we don't have a sin problem, my brother and my sister. Sin has been dealt with at the cross. We have a revelation problem and we have a message problem. We have a focus problem. We have to get back to the remedy and get back to the solution who is the person of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. The Bible says, as many as received Him, to them He gave the power to become sons of God. So John comes and he bears witness of the light, but he's not the light. Jesus is the light and He brings light into a world filled with darkness. He came to His own, His own received Him not. John chapter 1, as many as received Him, to them He gave the power, the authority, the ability to be sons of God. The new birth, when you receive Jesus Christ, So when, when, when somebody's in a phase of... of of, of it's like the world is trying to lure them in a certain direction. Be firm, but be loving and point them to the Savior. I have, I can't say things, um, but I mean, people um, that I can see, people go astray. And when I see them, I'll just grab them and say, hey, I love you. God loves you, man. God loves you. God loves you. I'm going to love you back to God. 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 You will come to your senses. You will come to repentance. You will come back to Jesus Christ. Because once you've tasted Him, you are never going to be satisfied with everything else, anything else. Amen. Never. Never. Never, 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 never. Because only He can give you what you're looking for. Peace. Peace. Only He can settle you. This world designed to rob you of everything He came to give you. And that is what? A relationship with God, intimately walking with Him. And our calling for eternity is to be with Him. Not this world. Not what this world has to offer. This, the Bible says, world lies under the power of Satan. What is operating, these spirits of deception, etc., are the principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual weakness in high places. It is orchestrated design to rob people of the image of Christ. So we don't go on a, on, a, on, a, on a journey to attack sin and sinners. We go on a journey to switch on the light, which is grace and mercy. The Bible says when Jesus came, He was full of grace and mercy. And the Pharisees could not get it. They could not understand it. The Bible says the law came with Moses, but grace and truth finally came through the person of Jesus Christ. When you see Jesus, listen, Leicester, 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 Leicester. I don't believe, where am I, where am I, where am I? Who fixed me? Don't think, Pastor, you're fixed because you're a pastor. I simply fun. The last thing, the last thing I ever thought about was coming into the ministry. You, I look like a typical pastor. No, I look like a candidate for the ministry. No, I look like I was called to go to the uh, theological seminary. Absolutely not. Who saved me? I say myself. I was looking for God. It's like people say, I found God, and God wasn't lost. He's not lost. I found God. You'll find nothing, man. You'll find nothing. You can even find your way home after you were at the bar. You need Uber. Uber rolls. 
There was no Uber in our days, okay? And the cops were gracious, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Listen for a moment and get it. You, your mind is running like this. Who saved you? Who fixed you? Who's going to fix your, 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 your mother, your dad? Hmm? How? 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 Through you. By being a representative, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, ambassador of Christ. The Bible says we should be, as Christ was in the earth, we should beseech, implore, urge people, be reconciled to God. As if God Himself was living in us and, and plead with people, get right with God. Get right with God. Get right with God. Get right with God. Get back to God. It's not worth it. What you're doing is not worth it. It's going to destroy you. Get back to God. But we should present a merciful, loving Savior that there is a way back to God. And it's not penance. It's not saying 50,000 Hail Marys. It's calling on the name of Jesus Christ. It's coming as you are. It's putting yourself back in the hands of Jesus. And He'll fix you. And for some of us, it's instant. Others, it's little by little. But we never give up on you. And we never give up on the process because God is never going to give up on you. And God's never going to turn His back on you because the work that God started in your life, God is going to complete that work. He's going to continue that work. And He's going to finish that work. And you are going to be okay. You are going to outgrow certain things because God's grace is working in your life right while you sit here tonight. Tonight already your desires are changing. Your behavior is going to change. Things that were acceptable tomorrow, there's just going to be a little voice in your heart that says, this is not okay. That's the Holy Ghost. Come on, because you are His workmanship. You are a product of His grace. You are a product of His love. Let's never ever forget and begin to put our hands on ourselves and begin to try and fix us. No, no, no. You keep yourself on the potter's wheel. You keep yourself in the presence of God, no matter how broken, how messed up you are. You come back every Sunday and you worship Him. If it's the first time, you love Him and God's going to change you and suddenly you're going to say to your boyfriend, we ain't doing that no more. That's not happening anymore. Without having a big fight, a big argument, because you are changing, my dear sister, my young friend, you are changing. I said you are changing. You are losing the desire for sin. You are losing the desire for everything that is wrong in your life. God is sorting you out. God is straightening you out. God is working in you both to will and do His good pleasure. Stay in the process. Stay close to Jesus. Stay in the hands of Jesus. He is able to finish what He started in your life. Shout Amen. Give the Lord a big praise. Come on, everybody, give Him a praise. Now take your seat quickly. You know, when we're broke, we need fixing. When your car breaks, you take it somewhere. When your body is broken, you go to the doctor. When your mind is uh, broken, you go to the psychiatrist, etc. When you're broken spiritually, you need to come to Jesus. And not sit there 
first time I came to a church, like there was like 70 people. And I felt like some of you tonight. Um, people were clapping their hands and I thought, what the heck? Hey, and I, I forgot the previous night I was in the disco. I was partying all night, etc. Suddenly I stand in church and it's like, Suddenly I'm religious. Sinner and religious? What a terrible combination. Sinner and religious. The most mean-spirited people in the world. Because in judging others, they're hiding and covering their sin. That's why Jesus said, when you judge others, you condemn yourself. You actually expose yourself. In judging, you expose the sin in your heart. So we should be broken vessels. And I'll say this again. We never condone sin, but we never condemn the sinner. We don't focus on the sin. We focus on the remedy, which is personified in the person of Jesus Christ, the physician, the healer. You're sitting here tonight or sitting in Bloemfontein, and I pray to God you heard what I said. There's not a thing like being half saved. There's not a thing like half right with God. You are or you ain't. You is or you ain't. That's it. And every one of us, Tom, Vic, Harry, Sue, Sally, Sarah, knows everyone. You can hide, but everyone sitting within the range of my voice in every facility, you know. I'm right with God or I'm not. How do we hide from from? from being transparent before God, we look at our brother. We look at somebody that's worse off than we are to cover and hide our sin. That's why Adam said to God, when God came to him, he says, this woman you gave me. I mean, he went from, wow, to this woman. It's like my kids, when, when they do good, I say my kids. When they're bad, I say to Noretta, your, your, your children, man, what the heck? Your kids. When they're good, they're mine. Amen. <laughs> there is none just. Tonight, you need a fixer. You need a savior. And I don't care if you were saved and you've given your life to Jesus. But my dear young friend, please hear me carefully because it breaks my heart when I see young people that I see God's hand is upon them. They get caught up into this relationship and that girl just takes them away from God and they indulge in a season of physical pleasure and lustful behavior. And I'm not going to judge that, but I'm going to say it breaks my heart to see what it does to those young men and how they're ever going to find their way back to God. It becomes a very, very difficult thing because the Bible talks about the pleasure of sin for a season that people should actually enjoy it. If it wasn't enjoyable, people won't do it. And that's part of the deceit. When Satan came to tempt that woman, it was good to look at. It was pleasant to the taste. Everything in the natural, physical realm was appealing. But they lost their place with God because of that. And I'll tell you, your place and position with God is much better. Because if you have this cycle of jumping from relationship to relationship, it's killing you. 
it's killing your emotions. It's killing your soul. It's causing a destructive cycle in your psyche that one day when you get married and you want to marry the right person, you carry all those images and you carry all those memories and you carry all those men with you into the marriage that you take. Now, I don't say that to condemn you. I say that tonight, my sister, break that cycle tonight. Come to Jesus and receive the cleansing, washing, power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus. Stop justifying what you are doing and just come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and let Jesus love you and let Jesus heal you and let Jesus recover you and you can be beautiful and feel free again. And no matter how many men you've slept with, like that woman at the well of Samaria, you can be like a virgin again and you can keep yourself and you can marry a man one day and you can feel pure and God can eradicate all the memories of previous sin in your life. But you have to come to Jesus. You have to come to Jesus. You have to come to Jesus or this thing is going to take you places you don't want to go. And you will wrestle with things for the rest of your life because you're not listening to what I'm saying to you. I urge you, make right with God. Make right with God. Make right with God. Be reconciled to God. He loves you. Receive His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed, on moving. You say, Pastor, I need Jesus to fix me. I need Jesus to, to fix me. Whatever it is. I need Jesus to fix me. I need a new start. I want to surrender all. If that's the cry of your heart, quietly, wherever you are, just raise your hand. I want to say a prayer for you quickly. Just lift your hand everywhere. Just raise it up. Raise it up. Thank you. Many hands. Just lift it. Just lift it. Lift it. Raise it up. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Bless you. Raise it up. Not time to hide now. Not time to think what other people will say. Tonight you come and you say yes to Jesus. Tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Come on. Come on. Come on. He doesn't judge you. No matter what you've done, he, he, he weeps over you. He pleads with you. Come home, come home, come home. Receive a new beginning there in Bloemfontein, in Potsdam, wherever you are, Johannesburg, come to Jesus tonight. I'm going to ask one more time. I'm going to ask one more time. I implore you. You need God to fix you. You're not going to fix yourself. Your life's not right with God. And that's always what people do. They put it off and they think one day I'll fix it. There may not be a one day. And this thing is going to take you so far that to find your way back to God becomes more difficult. Hear me very carefully. I've done this for years and years and years. The further you stray away from God, the more difficult to get back to God. You hear tonight, you've heard what I've said. I haven't judged you. I haven't condemned you. But I've said you can't go down that journey because Jesus came to bring you back to a Savior. He spoke to you tonight. In your heart, you know. Um, as people are still walking in bloom, I want to say this and hear me very carefully, please. Um, you cannot be a silent Christian, it doesn't exist. You cannot be an FBI Christian, it doesn't exist. You cannot be an undercover Christian, it doesn't exist. You're not a submarine Christian that comes out with your periscope on a Sunday, it doesn't exist. Um, Jesus was a friend of sinners and He influenced them. The, you can't hang out with sinners without influencing them. Hear me carefully, I'll say it again. You can't hang out with sinners without influencing them. That means they know your values, they know what you stand for without judging them and condemning them. You don't go sit there and you say niks nie. 
Want op je einde van die dag gaan die mense jou beinvloed. Jy is sout, jy is die licht, jy is nie net daar om die kaart terug te bestuur, dit is allemaal gesuip met dronkes nie. Jy is meer as dit. So if people don't know what you stand for, they are going to try and, 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 and compromise you. My whole life, if I walked into a bar, everybody knew I was there. I'd take my Bible with me and uh, put the Bible on the counter, order milk, and I would share the gospel of Jesus with people. The same places I used to fight in, I went back and I went and shared the love of Jesus Christ with those people. I didn't just go sit there and have half a beer. I went in there to share Jesus. When I went back to the discos in those places, the punk era, um, I went there and I told people about Jesus Christ. I wasn't this neutral Christian because neutrality is not taking a stand. So we're not talking about being preachy. We're talking about being a friend to those people, knowing that you are there for Christ and you love them. You have to be vocal about your Christianity. You take that girl on a date the first time, you tell her, I'm a child of God. I think you're gorgeous. I think you're beautiful. Everything is exactly as it should be, but that's it. That's it. Don't try and seduce me tonight. Amen. That guy that's impressed you, when he picks you up, you tell him, let's just get one thing straight. When I get into this car, this body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So um, it's, it's, it's not up for grabs. Hello? You, you have to be fully persuaded of who you are. Or your friends will determine who you are. And then you struggle with guilt and shame. Nia. That's why you need assurance of salvation. You need certainty of your redemption and who you are. So when you take that girl and she gets all whatever girls do, dan buig jou knie nie en jy soos jellyfish nie. Jy sê, kyk, my sis, ek moet nou my blok hardloop, kyk, die feit is, nou moet ek hoor, nou moet ek een Joosef doen, ek gaan nou hardloop, ek moet nou een Joosef doen. Joosef het nie gehardloop, want hy gebang was nie. Hy het gehardloop, he already left his coke behind. So just understand that. So he ran because he had to run. Are you listening? Your whole life you will be tested, etc. But for us to change people, we first have to decide where we stand, ourselves. And then not be preaching and condemnatory towards people. We have to be clear. I love you, man. I like to hang out with you. I don't need alcohol to have fun. I don't need to talk trash to have fun. I can have more fun than you with your snorting cocaine and you with your dacha and marijuana, etc., etc. I don't need to partake of the world to enjoy the world. And I don't need to become a sour, stuck-up Christian that nobody likes to hang out with either. You cannot take Jesus out of the equation if you want to reach your friends. Do you care about your friends? Don't answer very quickly. Think. Do you really care about them? You know where I'm going with that. So what matters most? Die lekker keiertijd van gestrand? Of die persoonse siel? 
En as die persoon sy sil nie meer belangrik is, as net die lekker keiertijd nie, dan is jy teruggeval. Jy het lou warm geword. Want nou gaan het nie meer oor wie jy is nie. Het gaan oor wat jy wil hee. En God is nie meer die centrale thema van jou leven nie. Het klink hard, maar is die waarheid. Is die waarheid. Want die persoon vanavond kan in die motorongeluk wees, terwyl jy hier staan. En sy, You're all I want need. Nothing matters more than you. And last night, and Friday night, hello, is this heavy now? No, it's real, it's real. This is who we are. This is who we are. When we go out and hang out with people in restaurants, etc., it's not just to have a good old time. Somewhere, somebody's broken and hurting, and you're the Christian there. And you're the one that should be talking. Not just when you pray, the food comes and nobody wants to pray. And you just go like, I'm <coughs> just on me. <laughs> I, love, I love it when I go pray with people, eat with people, especially business people that don't like to pray publicly. I pray an extra long prayer. I say, Father, thank you. Not just... Okay, what's about to go on? Amen, amen. Now, we're going to be young, man. Who was he rugby? Who was he rugby? Who was he rugby? That means absolutely nothing. Nothing. Zero. Zippo. Nothing. Nothing. Helps no one. Nothing. The food we eat with people help. Nothing. It's conversation. So there's a purpose to befriending the world. And that's to win people to Jesus Christ. You can turn this thing on them with God's love and God's grace. Where you are not the target, but you are in control and you're in charge of who you are because you're comfortable that you're a child of God, that you're in this world, not of this world, and you go hang out with those people and you save them and you bring them to church and you heal them and you see your business associates getting saved and your relatives getting saved. What greater reward than that when we get to heaven and people walk up to us in heaven one day and say, you invited me to church on that night I gave my life to Jesus thank you for taking the time to bring me to church come on CRC this is who we are let's not lose the heart of what we are all about let's not lose the heart of God for our world and let's not get lost in this world the Bible says we are to shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation bringing hope to people out there, they need a Savior. Amen. I pray God's grace and God's strength and God's boldness over each and every one of you. That every day you will enjoy life and people will actually see that you like enjoy life more than them without partaking of what they partake of. Because that attraction is what's going to draw them to Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Just put your hand on your heart, all of you that came forward there. Hundreds in Bloomington as well. Pray this prayer with me tonight. Jesus loves you. If you don't know where your heart is, it's in your chest. <laughs> We're going to, okay. Pray this. Say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I give myself back to you. Thank you for loving me just as I am. Thank you that you came and you paid the price for all my sin, I believe it. I believe you died 
on the cross for my salvation. I believe you rose from the grave as my deliverer. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you to take your place as my Lord and Savior. I give my life back to you. Everything I give myself back to you. Here I am, Lord. Take all of me in Jesus' name. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I forgive myself. And I forgive all those that have sinned against me. Thank you for freedom and for liberty. And that sin has no hold over me any longer. I'm free. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm heaven bound in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen and amen. And the weight of sin is lifted off of you. The yoke of sin is broken. And I declare upon the profession of your faith, your sins are forgiven. You go and sin no more. Sin has lost its hold over your life. You live for God now. And if it's not this church, you get part of a Bible-believing church where you can get discipled and where you can serve God radically in Jesus' name. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.